Blockchain Chatter, brought to you by Tier One People, leaders in fintech executive search. Welcome to Blockchain Chatter, the show where blockchain leaders join me for a chat. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins, and today's guest is David Engel of Starkware. Starkware is a layer two scaling solution that helps companies build on top of Ethereum while massively reducing costs and gas fees. David previously covered fintech markets in Europe, Middle East and Africa for AWS, but he's really well known to the Aussie fintech scene for his time as fintech BDM for AWS and as commercial director at Verency. I'm delighted to welcome David, who's making his long overdue debut on the podcast David, my friend, so good to see you. How are you? Likewise, Dexter. It's a pleasure to be able to connect again. Um, I cannot believe it has taken. This podcast is three years old now, and this is you making your debut. I can't believe it. <laughs> How has it been this long? I was just waiting for you to hit your stride, Dexter. <laughs> well, look, it's kind of, you, we're now at the level where we can book guests like yourself, David, so it's awesome to have you on. <laughs> Now, um, I was, I've been kind of, ha- I think, hassling you probably for the last 12 months when I found out that you were going to be moving to Israel. I was like, oh, this could make a really great podcast. Um, and then you moved to Starkware and I was like, you've got to come on the podcast now. <laughs> um, so it's great to, to have you with us. But before we kind of talk about, you know, Starkware, do you want, maybe just want to share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are? Sure. Um, so as you said, um, I was at AWS before this. I'll probably start a little bit before that. So I'm originally American, uh, moved to Australia in 2004. Uh, as I just found out about two weeks before you made your big move to Australia as well. Um, been there, was there for the last 18 years, uh, worked in banking for a while, spent most of my time at GE Capital um, in managing products and uh, portfolio. So that was more of a credit card business. Then jump from there into startups, uh, worked for a range of different startups, kind of found myself more and more interested in fintech, um, just enjoyed the pace and the innovation uh, and the quality of the people, especially in Australia, as, as you would know, and as you yeah. contributed to the fintech scene in Australia is outstanding. Um, eventually found my way to AWS to manage the fintech business for Australia, New Zealand. Um, and then nine months ago, almost to the day, uh, picked up my whole family, my wife, my two kids and my dog. And we made the move from Australia, uh, back to Israel, which is actually where I met my wife in 1998. And wow. we've been here since then. Awesome. And how is the family settling into Israel? Uh, my family is amazing. The most inspirational part of moving here is seeing my kids who do not speak Hebrew um, jump straight in with both feet. Uh, we stuck them both in public school. Uh, so they're literally sitting there learning complex, uh, complex topics in a language they don't understand uh, and never had a single complaint. They, um, I'm really, I really find my kids in the way that they've handled the move inspirational. Yeah. Sounds like a dad going down the Web3 rabbit hole. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, my son, uh, my son is neck deep in physics and co- coding in Python and robotics. Oh, wow. Uh, so I really think he's just angling for a job in Starkware yeah. in, in about five to 10 years. Yeah. Well, my, my daughter's angling to be our social media um, manager. So, uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll see another three years and she can legally work for the business. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's the time that we're going to see the J curve really take off. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be TikToking everywhere. Man. <laughs> 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 um, I'm so excited to talk to you about Starkware because, you know, the little bits that you shared with me, like some of the numbers, the businesses that you weren't with are kind of my jaw just dropped. But, you know, before we go into that, do you want to maybe share with the listeners a little bit about Starkware and what you guys are about? Sure, happy to. Uh, so Starkware is a layer two scaling solution. And so what that means is we solve the problem of uh, scalability on Ethereum. So I'm sure your listeners will be very familiar with Ethereum, um, would understand that it is the largest smart contract platform uh, in the world. Uh, so what Ethereum does very, very well is allow users to build any kind of um, program or application that they want um, on the decentralized internet on web three. Um, and they do that in um, solidity on Ethereum. So Ethereum does very well to be able to build any kind of smart contract you want, any kind of program you want, whether that's DeFi or identity um, or gaming. Um, but what Ethereum doesn't do well is scale. So Ethereum is very decentralized. It has many, many nodes or databases all over the world, about 7,000, um, but it's hard to scale. So the challenge, as we saw in 2021, is that when somebody wants to, wanted to do a transaction on Ethereum and the network was very congested, um, it cost up to $21 to send a single transaction. So, which is fine if I'm buying a CryptoPunk NFT for a few hundred thousand dollars, I don't mind spending $21. But if I want to send Dexter $5 for the coffee yesterday, or if I want to go and uh, pay a merchant in crypto, if it costs me $21 to do that transaction, uh, you literally cannot do it. And so Ethereum cannot scale, uh, cannot scale to the extent that it needs to, to really become the, um, you know, the global uh, blockchain network. So what Starkware does is Starkware solves the Ethereum scalability problem um, through what's called zero knowledge proofs. And happy to get into that a little bit and what our customers are building out and the results that we're seeing. Awesome. Um, now you, you kind of talk through some of the, the numbers with me just to give some idea of scale as to the Starkware platform. Can you, you share with our listeners this number and repeat it? Cause it's kind of, it's a bit of a big number. Sure. Sure. So, so what we do is we solve the, as I said, the scalability problem on Ethereum and we're doing that already in production, as you said, at massive, massive scale. So there, there might be a few numbers that you're referring to. The first one is that we have now settled $780 billion onto oh, the oh, Ethereum oh, 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 Stop there, stop there, stop there. Say that number again. Uh, $780 billion um, onto the Ethereum network. Billion with a B, not an M, right? Three, like, three, three quarters of a trillion. That's right. So three quarters of a trillion dollars we've settled onto the, the Ethereum network. Uh, we do that through customers, and we'll talk more about this, through like DYDX and Immutable and SoRare. Um, but this is, this is scalability. This is exactly what we're talking about when we say we solve scalability. Um, another number that I think will be helpful to listeners just to give a bit of context is um, the week of October 10th, um, Immutable, uh, who's an, yeah. a great Australian Web3 company, they're an NFT marketplace gaming platform. Uh, they did a mint of 10 million NFTs, um, which again is a substantial number of NFTs. Um, they did that all in a weekend um, on StarkX, on our SaaS platform. But what's really interesting about that number is that in that week, 
Starkware did 12 and a half million transactions onto Ethereum. Ethereum in total only did seven and a half million transactions. So we actually did more transactions than Ethereum, 1.6 times as many. We settled all of those transactions on Ethereum. So you have a proof that all those transactions happened on Ethereum. Here's the mind blowing number. Those 12 and a half million transactions took up less than 0.1% of the block space on Ethereum. So when we talk about how do you scale Ethereum to be able to do the next global social media network, the next global credit, the next global card scheme, decentralized identity on a global scale, layer two scaling solutions are the way that you do it, where you can do more transactions, orders of magnitude, more transactions on Ethereum. And when you settle them onto Ethereum, it takes up less than 0.1% of the overall block space. Wow. Now, there's obviously been some you know, issues with some other um, L2 solutions around security. How have you overcome that, that challenge? Sure. So, so what we're doing is we are actually taking transactions and we're sending a proof onto Ethereum. Uh, so what that means is that we're taking hundreds of thousands or even millions of transactions at any given time. We are effectively rolling them up. And then we're sending a proof of those transactions as opposed to the transactions themselves onto Ethereum. Uh, a simple mental model to use or a simple comparison is what a zip file does for data. I want to send you a PowerPoint presentation that's 30 megabytes. I zip it up. It gets zipped up to three megabytes and then I send it to you and it fits. We're doing for compute, uh, for compute power. Wow. So we're taking hundreds of millions or tens of millions of transactions, rolling them up, and then we're sending them onto layer one. And so what that actually does for the users, their transactions are all recorded on layer one. And so when we talk about security of Ethereum, really security means a user's ability to get their funds out if something goes wrong. So if Starkware goes bust or one of our customers goes bust, all of those transactions are recorded on Ethereum. A user can simply write to the smart contract on Ethereum and withdraw their funds. So... We talk about security, that, that is what security means. Another way of thinking about it is that it is self-custodial. So unlike exchanges, which yeah. hold your money, and yeah. we've seen what happens yeah. time and time again, FTX being the latest exa example, if a user is using a, an application that is on StarkX, those funds are sitting in their wallet. It is a self-custodial system. And that's really what, what security is. Security is a con consumer's ability to ensure that their funds are available to them at any given time, regardless of who the intermediaries are, whether it's a crypto exchange, a perpetuals exchange, an NFT platform, or StarkX. Your money is always secure because you are self-custodying it. And we can talk a little bit more about the innovations that are happening there. Yeah, that would be great. Um, it, it sounds to me like this is almost kind of like a quantum leap in in the technology of being able to scale it and yet i haven't really noticed anything much in the news about talking about starkware how how have you kept this quiet <laughs> um well it, we make a lot of noise in the web3 developer community but we need to you know we need to um get better yeah and um kind of promoting ourselves and look this is this is a helpful opportunity to do it um just to thinking back talking back about your quantum leap it, it absolutely is a quantum leap so we are saving our customers up to a thousand x in gas fees um for when they were writing directly onto ethereum so three orders of magnitude there if i give a couple examples dydx who is the uh, i believe the largest decentralized perpetuals exchange they're built on top of us 
before they were using our uh, StarkX platform, our zero knowledge proofs, they were spending 300,000 gas per transaction to settle that transaction onto Ethereum. When they moved across to us, they're spending around 300 gas. So again, a thousand X reduction. So rare who does the NFT games for European soccer, major league baseball, the NBA, they're now doing a world cup edition as well. Previously spent $1 million per week on gas fees to settle to Ethereum. Now that they're on StarkX, they're spending 10,000 a week. So we actually, I'm actually kind of, and this is an open question for people to, to identify other three order of magnitude improvements in technology. Mm. I think the printing press would be one. Um, nuclear energy would be another, but there are not very many innovations yeah. where you get three order of magnitude improvement. So uh, it really is a kind of a step change innovation. Yeah. And this solves the whole debate around, you know, using the technology for payments and instant payments. I mean, it's just... It's it's kind of just Absolutely. smashed it, right? It's, you know, there's there's no there's no debate now. Even here in Oz, where we've got, I'd say, a pretty advanced, you know, kind of instant payments system, there's still in the back end a fair bit of clunkiness. This just seems slick. Uh, yeah, so this will, you know, this will solve scalability for any application that wants to be built on Web3. So payments is a great example. So the first thing that you do is by creating decentralized payments, you remove the middle men. So you remove all of the different kind of rent seeking players that, that are along that are through that workflow. And so it becomes purely peer to peer. But even when it's peer to peer, you need a platform that can handle the scale of a global payment network. And so the idea is that a global, that a payment network built on StarkX, which is our SaaS solution, or on StarkNet, which is the um, Starkware and community built uh, decentralized platform, will deliver the scalability um, that you can build the global payment network or a social media platform or a decentralized identity. Any of those things can be built and scaled then on StarkX or on StarkNet. Um, I was at, in Singapore. Um, a few weeks ago for the Singapore FinTech Festival, it was very, very clear that, um, you know, certainly the, you know, the, the, the kind of support for Web3 technology, blockchain technology to build the infrastructure, to build the world that we're going to need, you know, not only for the future, but to tackle these big problems around climate change, you know, disparity around, you know, income and, you know, to, to bridge all of these gaps, the, the role that Web3 is going to play in that is huge. And it's kind of, you know, the conversations around JPEGs and, you know, punks and stuff kind of frustrates me a bit because, you know, chatting with you is so energizing just to, you know, see the, you know, the, the kind of the progress that's being made, right? That, is, as I mentioned, never gets talked about. You know, we talk about how much a punk's worth but this is like the you know the real use of the technology solving you know so many different problems as you mentioned around identity you know scaling payments all you know the, what what would you say you know was the thing that when you met with Starkware got you to to go right that's it you know I'm joining these guys I, I absolutely buy into this vision um Look, to, to be honest, it was a bit of a, a journey. So when I was when I moved to Israel, um, I actually met the CEO the first week that I was here. Um, I was already very thoroughly red pilled. Um, and uh, but I was, you know, I loved working with AWS and I wasn't planning on leaving. And um, 
really, the more that I talked to people within the industry um, who I considered knowledgeable, the more people said that Starkware really was the industry leader um, in building in building kind of Web3 core infrastructure. So the point that you made before around kind of um, monkey JPEGs uh, drowning out the noise of the real technology builders, you know, there are people that are building uh, that are building blockchain companies or, or assets uh, because they want to promote the asset side of it. And the asset side of it is very important because that's what drives liquidity to the, to the platform. That also has a very, very big downside, as we've seen. Mm. The other side is people who are building technology to build technology. Um, and Starkware is a deep, deep technology company. Uh, most of the people that work for Starkware, especially on the product and the technology side, um, care more about cryptography than they do about cryptocurrency. Um, they just see that um, layer two zero knowledge proofs is the single best application for cryptography um, in the market where they can actually apply their trade. And so the thing that makes me so bullish on Starkware and really ultimately that made me join was just seeing both the community organic enthusiasm for the company and seeing just how deeply focused it is on the technology and advancing the technology and on kind of very... Um, being very disciplined about ignoring all the other noise that kind of comes with this industry. Yeah. Now, you know what a simple man I am. Can you explain to me ZK rollups? I'll do my best. So as I said previously, you can, a simple way to think about it is that it is does for compute. What a zip file does for data storage. And so let me unpack that a little bit. So compute on the blockchain on Ethereum is very expensive. Um, compute being basically the power that you need to run any sort of application. So the the previous innovation for compute was cloud computing. So when Amazon launched EC2 instances, what they what an EC2 instance is is basically saying rather than you doing compute on your server in your garage, if you're in an you know, accounting firm, uh, we're going to do compute for you. And so AWS built up these massive, massive compute um, warehouses that are just full of servers to do compute. So it is very cheap to do compute off-chain, but if you want to do compute on-chain on Ethereum, it is very, very expensive. So when we talked previously about gas prices spiking and going to $21 to do a transaction, basically that, that cost is a proxy for how expensive it is to do compute or to solve um, to transactions on Ethereum. And so what a zero-knowledge proof does is we take all of that complex compute that was on-chain and was very expensive on-chain, and we do that compute off-chain. So we're actually taking um, you know, very complex transactions on DYDX, perpetual transactions, where you're tracking price movement of an asset um, every second, or being able to mint um, tens of millions of NFTs at a given time. If you do that on-chain, it's very expensive. Doing it off-chain um, on the StarkX platform or on StarkNet, it becomes orders of magnitude cheaper. And what the zero knowledge aspect of that is, is saying is taking all of those transactions, creating a cryptographic proof that those transactions are valid. So basically using math to prove that those transactions are valid, then rolling them up or, or zipping them like a zip file would, and only sending a proof that those transactions happened on chain rather than all of the transactions themselves. And so hopefully that is a simpler way of understanding what zero knowledge proofs are and what they're achieving. You know, David, I've done, I think, nearly 250 of these interviews now. I don't think I've been more genuinely excited by an innovation or a you know, kind of product or technology that we've had on this show. I mean, it's just 
it's mind blowing, right? Just sitting here talking to you um, about you know the, about what's happening at Starkware, I and mean, I'm just I, I literally am kind of just lost for words, right? As to how much of a leap this is. Um, I guess you know, looking to the the future and the the year that you've had. What do you see happening in 2023 and what are kind of some of the, the, the plans for Starkway? Yeah, so, so there's a couple of things that we're looking forward to. Um, I think, uh, let me talk about on the um, StarkX side, on our SaaS platform side, uh, we are seeing a substantial increase in demand from exchanges and traditional FSIs that want to build non-custodial solutions. Um, so this is a direct reaction to what happened at FTX, um, where use, where FTX was custodying users' funds. And because they were custodying user funds, they could effectively do what they wanted with them. Um, we're now seeing substantial demand in self-custody. And self-custody has a couple aspects to it. One is what we're hearing now is proof of reserves. So a lot of customers are talking about the, want, the need to um, prove that they have um, reserves on chain. And the other aspect is that a user will always sign for their transaction. So you want to make sure that a user um, has the ability to digitally sign for their transaction. You can't move the funds without them. So StarkX, which is our SaaS platform, does that out of the box. So it is a self-custodial platform with proof of reserves built into, um, built into the code. So one thing that we really look forward to seeing is just more cost, more customers being banks and crypto exchanges moving towards self-custody. So that's the first one. On the StarkNet side, so StarkNet is a decentralized blockchain platform that was um, developed both by Stark by Starkware and by the community. Um, it is a public good. On that, we really expect to see that to start to scale um, to deliver kind of similar volume of transactions as what we're seeing on StarkX. Uh, the reason that we think that that's going to happen is that we're doing a couple uh, new innovations. Um, so we're launching a new um, Cairo code. So Cairo is our native L2 programming language. That means that you can code your smart contracts in Cairo. It is optimized for layer two. We're launching version 1.0. So we're going to see a substantial increase in um, developer activity on that. Um, and then the third um, innovation that we are looking forward to is what we're calling layer three. And so layer three is a private um, instance of StarkNet that customers can use to actually build on top of StarkNet, build on top of the permissionless um, block, uh, the permissionless layer two platform. Um, but they will have ultimate control over who can access that instance of StarkNet, what the gas fees are on StarkNet, um, what they will write their own smart contracts to what they want to build on, on their layer three. And so we expect to see a lot of innovation happening on layer three, where you have banks or payment companies um, or you know social media companies that want to be able to control their own environment, but want to be able to build their own smart contracts, build their own applications um, using their, you know, using our programming language, mm. Cairo. So one is we expect to see an increase in self-custodial solutions building on StarkX. Two is we expect to see an acceleration of innovation on StarkNet on the um, permissionless public blockchain. And three is that we will launch um, layer three layer three technology. Apologies. We will launch layer three on top of StarkNet, which will allow uh, large institutions or um, just centralized institutions to build their own applications on a uh, private instance of StarkNet. Um. 
I guess if we look at kind of Web two technologies, you know, I'm thinking, you know, e commerce and payments. Businesses like Stripe and Shopify, I, it sounds almost like they're going to be irrelevant pretty soon at the way they've been able to scale this technology. Um, no, well, so the first thing is that you're always going to need on ramps and off ramps, right? So you always need the ability to get from fiat to crypto and from crypto to fiat. So payment companies will always serve a role in that. Um, so that's certainly not going away. Um, and I think, so I think that's on the, you know, the payment side on someone like Stripe and then on the e-commerce side, uh, effectively what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of e-commerce companies and Shopify has been very public about this. There's podcasts about it actually embracing the promise of web three. So thing, an ex- a good use case would be token gating mm. where customers that have a particular NFT can now get access to new brands or new experiences or cross sell opportunities for um, other brands. So I wouldn't say that they will be irrelevant, but they will adapt. And those that yeah. adapt the fastest and embrace the Web3 technology, I think will continue to thrive. I think on the other side is you're going to see a lot of net new companies that are building these technologies natively and that are starting with these technologies. And I think we will see a, an entire new host of startups and innovation mm-hmm. that are kind of purely Web3 native and, and building on technologies yeah. like StarkNet or StarkX. Yeah. It feels, you know, having been around the, you know, the fintech scene and the, the blockchain scene for close to a decade now, um, there's almost like there's a part of me that's sad because I, I feel like we're entering a new era. But there's a part of me that's really excited because I know that there's a new, new era coming and it's kind of, you know, I feel like we're leaving behind the, the, even the fintech 2.0 stuff, which was still building digital solutions for an analog world. And we now seem to be very much that, that we're kind of getting very close to the point in stock where it's a great example of a digital solution for a digital world, where it's a completely different way of looking at product and s- solutions and infrastructure to what we've looked at previously. Um, you know, you've been around this space, you've been around Australia, this, the, you know, the, probably the equal amount of time as me, you, you know, what, what's your sense as to kind of, you know, where the, the, the Aussie fintech space is at and the, the blockchain space is at in, in Australia and how do we kind of remain relevant and, and kind of keep evolving? Like we've done a really good job so far, but it does feel like there's another step change coming and we've got to kind of really grasp that as well. Sure. Um, so I'm going to, I'll slightly, I'll answer a slightly different question before I talk about Australia specifically, which is your point around um, kind of, let's call it moving from FinTech 2.0 to FinTech 3.0, um, if we want to call it that. Um, and I think the difference that we're going to see going forward, um, and, and credit to you, you're embracing it. So I don't really believe that you're that sad. I actually think that you're loving it. I've been, I've been, um, I've been did, right for, for the last 12 months. So actually it was December last year that I was like, I was like you, right. But I didn't take the red pill, but it was just, this is something, but I can't figure out what it is yet. And it's only yeah. been in the last six weeks that I've gone now, this is it. This is it. You know, I see it. And it was kind of, you know, it was interesting just like speaking to Brian Collins, you know, earlier this year when we had him on the podcast and we were talking about what they were seeing and it was what I was seeing. And it's, hey, you know, you know, very, very, I think got a very, very firm hypothesis now that Web3 is the infrastructure that we build this whole new world on. That's kind of how I see Web3. That's my interpretation of it. 
I think you're you're exactly right, and I think that's you know how we see fin, how we're going to see fintech change is directly related to that. So fintech previously was really building really nice front ends on legacy infrastructure. So if I wanted to build a new credit card, uh, I would build that on legacy infrastructure. If I wanted to connect to banks, I would build that on legacy infrastructure. If I wanted to build a international payment network, it was all on legacy infrastructure. So FinTech was very limited by their ability to innovate based on the limitations of the legacy infrastructure that they were building on. Web3 is now going to change that in that you are building new innovation, new front ends on top of new infrastructure, on top of new back ends. Um, So I think that's a really important insight to understand just how much we're going to see um, fintech, which is very much the consumer facing front end of financial services, change because of access to um, new backends. So I think DYDX is an amazing example of that. DYDX is a on-chain perpetuals um, exchange uh, built on StarkX. And that simply would not have been possible to build on legacy uh, web to infrastructure. So I think that's, I think that's the, the change yeah. that we're going to see. Yeah. That's, I, I, now, love that, you, I love that example, actually, and sorry to interrupt, it kind of, no, one of the, one of the, the, the kind of, I think that, you know, the breakthrough kind of brain thoughts that I had was just to think of the amount of value that we have locked up in the world, you know, even just things like supply chain logistics and trade finance and the amount of time that it takes to actually release that and what more of an efficient world we could have you know, just in business around being able to unlock that value, you know, quickly rather than the processes that we go through now. So that DYDX example, I think is just great way kind of real time reevaluation of assets is, you know, I think the value that you can unlock right through that, that process. Yeah. I mean, exactly right. I mean, ultimately what you're going to see is a completely new paradigm of capital efficiency of how, how quickly and simply people can allocate capital to different assets um, in a way that simply wasn't possible before when you had a whole bunch of intermediaries in between. Um, I agree completely. This is where the, you know, the, 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 all the magic's happening. So I, I completely agree. I think, you know, the more that we can get these messages out and have these conversations, I think, and the great thing about, this podcast and the audience is, and these are people that are in fintech, banking, financial services, you know, institutions that are going to be using this technology in the next five years. I, I've got no doubt, right? It's just going to be, it's going to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about Australia? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've obviously got a, you know, real love for the nation. You've, you know, I think, you know, pretty much everybody that I do, you know, we were, I was actually at um, dinner last night. It was the FinTech Australia you know, end of year dinner and it was kind of sad not seeing you there, to be honest, Dave. It's, it, it's not quite the same, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's very sweet. No, the FOMO is real. When I, when I saw Intersect and everybody uh, talking about Intersect, for those who don't know, Intersect is a FinTech Australia annual event. Uh, there was real FOMO there. Uh, that, that, was a, that was a time when I really missed Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, look, I mean, I'd I'd love to get your views on first of all, you know, Israel, and and you know, the question I've got for you on Israel is, is this you know kind of, um, you know, the 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 mantra that it has around being this innovation nation, is that true or is it is it more hype? Oh, it's absolutely true. I mean, the the metric that really brought this home to me, um, and this was when I moved eight months ago, so it may have changed a little bit now. Israel is a country of 7 million people, and it has 65 unicorns. 
Australia is a country of 27 million people, and I think it had five to seven unicorns. Right. So I think that's, um, and Israel, other than Silicon Valley, has the most unicorns. Uh, it actually has the most unicorns per capita, um, but other than Silicon Valley, I think, and the and the UK, maybe the most investment dollars for a country mm-hmm. of 7 million people is just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, so what can Australia learn from that? Uh, first of all, I think Australia does very well. Uh, I, this isn't, this isn't me saying that Australia isn't doing well. I think that just is Israel is absolutely exceptional. Um, I think Australia does and is embracing web three very, very well. Um, so there's some great exchanges, you know, BTC markets, SwiftX are doing a good job in custodying customer funds. Obviously, you have Immutable, which is one of the absolute world leaders in NFT gaming. Um, I think last quarter they did uh, more sales than all of the quarters uh, previously. Um, so they're just an amazing platform. They're a wonderful customer of ours. They're really, um, they use StarkX, which is the platform that I mentioned, um, to mint NFTs at scale in Web3 Gaming. Um, another really interesting company is Canvas. So Canvas is a customer of ours. Um, out of their, They're building um, DeFi pooling um, and DeFi for enterprise. Uh, so basically, they've taken our StarkX platform and are now starting to target enterprise banks. Um, and they're doing very, very well. I encourage people to have a look at them, um, either reach out to them or reach out to us, especially if you're interested in how this can be applied uh, to enterprise banking. Um, so there's great innovation happening in Australia. Um, what do I see in Israel that Australia can learn from? Um, I think the first is that Israel is completely unhierarchical. Um, so it is very meritocratic in that um, anybody with good ideas gets a seat at the table and everybody listens. I think that Australia, especially in larger institutions, is still a bit hierarchical, um, which, which can tend to slow things down. Israel is also deeply, deeply technical. Um, so the innovations and the businesses that are built are deep, deep tech businesses. But the, the level of technical know-how spreads across the entire organization. Mm. So one thing that I am so impressed by Starkware is that people across the organization who you wouldn't think need to be technical understand the Starkware technology at a very deep level. So our marketing lead has a deep understanding of the technology. Our finance lead has a deep understanding of technology. Um, you know, the BD team, I would be the least technical um, and I've got a moderately good understanding mm. of it. Um, so it really is encouraged and embraced and almost like a ticket to play to be able to be, to be deeply technical on these things. And it actually, from a BD perspective, it helps us sell better um, yeah. to be kind of very mercenary about it. We can talk more deeply to customers. We can earn trust faster with customers because we are so deeply yeah. technical. And that's not necessarily unique to Starkware. Um, within Israel, I think that that's a, a trait of Israel. And the third thing that I would say is that it is very, very solution oriented. Um, so a problem that would potentially take an other institutions three to five meetings with 10 people in each meeting to solve. Um, I found that Starkware solves in a single meeting. We get in, we go very direct towards a problem and we solve it very quickly, which just makes us faster. Yeah. It makes us faster from a development perspective, from a BD perspective, from a marketing perspective. So I think those are just a couple of things that um, I've noticed that are mm. different in Israel um, that I think would be great yeah. applied in Australia and elsewhere. So you don't do coffees then? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. They're, you're, they're, I actually miss it. 
uh, to be perfectly <laughs> honest about it, I miss, I miss, I do miss the coffee culture, but no, you don't, you sit in, you get into a meeting. Um, maybe you spend 15 seconds on, on niceties. Um, now everybody knows where I'm from, so they don't even bother asking anymore and you get straight into it. So there's, awesome. you know, there's, there's an element of that that I miss. Yeah. That's a, that's a good insight. Yeah. Um, now this kind of, before we wrap up, um, this is a, you know, I guess a, a podcast as well. That's to help, help people get, I, I guess, more intrigued and interested in the space, um, who might not necessarily be in the space right now. What are some of the podcasts, you know, and the kind of resources that you went to as you were going down the rabbit hole that really kind of helped you get a better understanding of web three? Um, so there's two things that people need to do who are interested. One is podcasts and I'll talk about those. The other is Twitter. Um, Twitter is an absolute wealth of information if you can just make it through the noise. But let's talk about podcasts first. Um, Bankless is amazing. Empire um, is very good. Um, there was a podcast called Common Core, which was done by Three Arrows Capital, which has since imploded. Yeah. Um, but their podcasts are actually very, very good and very deeply technical. Um, if you want, probably the single best podcast on Starkware is one that our um, co-founder, Ellie Ben Sasson, did on Common Core uh, with, uh, with Hasu, with a guy named Hasu. So people who want to learn more about Starkware, that's a great place to do it. Defiant as well is a very good podcast um on twitter uh, i'm not going to list all the good people that i follow on twitter but if you're interested in this space just go on twitter have a look at who i follow have a look at who dexter follows um follow dexter dexter's uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah he, he, he's, he's Mate, i'm just i'm just shit posting about elon musk at the minute so <laughs> yeah but shit posting is part of it right yeah. i think shit posting is actually part of the the culture of twitter that yeah. i that i appreciate um, so yeah, I would look at those and I would, the other thing is I would actually, this might be counterintuitive, but I would encourage people to stay away from necessarily reading books on blockchain just because it moves so fast that by the time you finish the book, yeah, what you're reading is probably going to be slightly outdated or, or have moved on. Um, so both the upside and the downside of, of web three is the immediacy of it. It moves so, so quickly. Um, but you kind of want to prioritize short form content mm -hmm. over long form content because it just is what's going to keep you most up to date. Yeah. Um, so that would be, that would be my recommendation. Awesome advice. Um, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, yeah, I think Twitter is the best place to get in touch. Awesome. And look, you know, before we wrap up, um, first of all, it's been great to have you on the show, David, and, and just spend some time with you and, yeah. You know, really miss doing it in person. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, right? I just, you know, I just can't, can't get over the, you know, the kind of video stuff. It's, uh, you know, especially with somebody I've known for so long. Um, but if you look at 2023, what is the thing that's got you most excited about that, um, in the web three space? Uh, I think layer twos are going to hit their stride. I think we're really going to see, the true scalability of blockchain layer twos are going to deliver that. Uh, and we're very, very excited to play a part in that. Awesome. David, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. I'm just like mind blown finding out about stock where I've got to say, I am really envious. If you know, there's, I often look when I'm given a, an opportunity by a client and say, Hey, if I was the right person, would I want this job? 
if I was offered the job that you've got right now, I would ditch everything that I've built to get on board. <laughs> it's, uh, it just sounds incredible. That's lovely to hear. That, that's very nice to hear. And uh, thank you for having me, Dexter. And thank you for doing this. I think that you are a very, very um, clear, uh, convincing and um, you know, concise voice in this space and appreciate everything you're doing to help educate everyone. Thanks, David. Been a pleasure to have you on. Great, Dexter. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with me, follow Dexter Cousins on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you're coming back, thanks so much for your support. And if you're new to the show, make sure to follow us and leave a review. Until the next episode, stay safe. This show is presented by Tier 1 People, leaders in fintech executive search. We find world-class talent to build world-class ventures. And you can find us at tier1people.com. Dot com.